The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. What is happening? Welcome to the Plus Pitch Podcast, your morning pitching podcast from pitchless.com. My name is Nick Pollock. Today is February 27th, and yes, we're going to talk about baseball. So... First and foremost, I know this is a super late one. I had a very busy Monday morning, and I still wanted to do this and ensure that we had this schedule moving forward. So enjoy this. It's going to be about five days a week. I'm going to be in Florida on Friday morning. I don't believe I'm going to be able to do it then. However, uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, etc. for the near future, you should be expecting a Plus Pitch podcast where I'm going to be reviewing those tweets that I do about the pitchers on TV, what we should be looking for every morning. And I reviewed all of the weekend and I wanted to really take the time to do that too. I didn't want to leave you like you wanted more from what I, for those tweets that I put out. So I reviewed Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and I've got news for you, all the, all the little things that you'd want to know. Plus, of course, what happened today and what, you know, I'll be talking about in the morning as well. So definitely tune in for that. Subscribe to the podcast, leave a rating review, all of that fun stuff. But all right, let's get to it. On Friday, Robbie Ray was reportedly around 93, 94 miles per hour. That works for us. That's the main thing there. Didn't really see much of the splitter. So we'll hopefully have more of that moving forward. Nick Martinez had a good changeup. It might be a six-man rotation for the Padres with Michael Waka there. So Seth Lugo, Nick Martinez are fighting for that. We did see Lugo the next day. He was okay on Saturday. I wonder how that's going to be. They might say, I mean, it's, it's interesting because you have Nick Martinez and Seth Lugo both with history in the pen. I don't know who's going to win that. I wish it was Adrian Morejon, but I think he's more of a guy that they'll put in the rotation midway through the season when they need it and lean on Martinez or Seth Lugo in the meantime. Otherwise, not much to talk about with Friday. On Saturday, we saw Yusei Kikuchi have 14 whiffs in his two innings, which is just what? He had 11 on the slider and change of combined. His slider command was stellar. But that's the thing with Yusei Kikuchi. When he has good command, things are great. But that's not really something that we normally see. I'm glad he did well in this first Spring training outing. I don't know if I have any faith in that whatsoever for the season. But I'm sure you have some Kikuchi believers. And I really do hope that it does work out for them. As he is that fifth starter for the Jays. And I've been kind of saying, like, what? You need another fifth starter for the Jays. What's going on? Ricky Tedman later on in the season. As it's just really Mitch White and Zach Thompson as the backups at this point. It's very strange in Toronto, so I really hope it does pan out well for Kikuchi. Mackenzie Gore was two ticks up on his slider and changeup. That's a big deal, if you ask me. His fastball was about a half a tick or even higher as well. Something to monitor there with Mackenzie Gore. There might be some really fun post-type sleeper stuff there for Mackenzie Gore in Washington. 
Adam Wainwright's velocity was down, but it's Adam Wainwright. He's a veteran. You expect this. Um, I'm not really thrilled about Wainwright this year, but don't freak out about four ticks down. It was the first tick, uh, first start of spring training. They were always super slow now. Mitch Keller was throwing cutters, but it was just one out of eight whiffs, but he was primarily doing it. I wasn't too impressed by it. Some people are. I don't know. Mitch Keller, to me, just never really has been able to put it all together. The slider is an incredible PLV pitch. Uh, fastball velocity is generally good, but it just feels like he's more hittable and isn't quite there command-wise, and this new cutter isn't really the answer to that. Ronzi Contreras followed him in this game. Last year, we saw about 96 miles per hour or so, but he was just at 94-95 in this. Again, first start of the spring, you can't really say, oh no, velocity is so far down, but that isn't what you want to see from a young guy who generally, young guys are going to be not really ramping up as much. They should be performing more in the winter. Normally, we see young pitchers be at their velocity in the spring. Then we do veterans, and to see a young one still at 94, 95 is a uh, I don't know if we're going to see 96, 97 from Ronzi. I'm not putting my chips on that right now, but it's just something to be thinking about. Kenta Maeda coming back from Tommy John. Is that 90, 91? Yeah, that's kind of where we expected Maeda to be. Maybe 91, 92, but it's good to see that. He seems all right, and that's the first tick on the box. It wasn't like 88, and that's that would have been like, whoa, what's going on? Three six, three ticks behind. Okay, 90-91. That's all right. Garrett Hill. You don't know who that is. He's uh, You started a couple games last year for the Tigers. Went to relief. He had three ticks more on his fastball. That's kind of crazy. 97 miles per hour on the sinker. Maybe he's just going to be a reliever. But really good command up with his fastball. Look, he, he's someone that maybe in a DC is like the 48th round I would consider. But there's something there. I'm just saying. Um, Dre Jameson Ryan Nelson and Brandon Fott are in this um, bid for the number five spot for the Diamondbacks. Jameson did okay. He survived. I didn't really get any velocity reports or anything. And Ryan Nelson struggled a little bit. Just down to 93 on the fastball is not what you want to see. So right now, I would say I'm not interested in Ryan Nelson. The shoulder stuff they had last year looks like it's it's still affecting him. Sure, first start of the spring, maybe easing into it. But it does look like Dre Jameson has that five spot as of now. Obviously, it's one game. Um, and I can't really say that. But that the velocity is down and Ryan Nelson isn't. Knowing that he's fighting for a number five spot and is down to 93 does give me concern. Brandon Falk could just outright win it, though. I'm not going to rule that out. If he's just dominant and, yeah, he dominates, mm, he might have it over Dre Jameson if Jameson isn't looking good either. Adrian Sampson is in a spot uh, fighting for a spot for the Cubs. He allowed four and runs in 1.2 innings. Not a good start for him. Nathan Eovaldi, big velocity guy for this spring. 96-97. That's so good. He was 93-94. Coming back from injury last year, I was really concerned about this one. 96-97 is amazing. I'd be shocked if it fell after this. So that means he's coming up in drafts for me. Probably, I want to say into like the 50s or so, because there's still the injury risk. Um, 50s or 60s. That's the kind of jump that this is because I, in the offseason, it's a 50-50 coin flip. This is completely changing that, right? So this is one of the important things of the spring. Evaldi at 96-97. Yep, that's Nathan Evaldi. Just a question of how healthy is it going to be through the year. Lance Lynn did well. I think the velocity was slightly down from what I read, if I, if I remember correctly, but it's Lance Lynn. He's an older guy and he performed well and everything's good. And I already mentioned Seth Lugo. We still have Sunday to talk about. And of course, everything that is going to be ha- that happened and is going to happen on Monday. And we'll talk about those guys after this break.
Sunday we had Erod. Remember last year was just this weird like, right, he's pitching for the Tigers and then he was gone for ages. He looked like the same old guy. Uh, velocity was normal. Change-ups were very few, which is odd for Erod. He was just throwing fastballs. So that's probably just what he was trying to do. Kay Cavalli, my understanding is that it was okay. And there is a spot open for the Nationals as the number five. So there's a chance that it's Cade Cavalli. I don't really think at this point it's going to be. Um, he had one strikeout on a called fastball inside, which just isn't really a typical thing for him. Jose Arquidi looked pretty good. Command was there. He was using the kitchen sink. It looks solid to me. Joe Ryan, there's a lot of hoopla about him uh, hitting 94.3. He's like, whoa, I was expecting to throw like 88, and I threw like 94, and that was a surprising thing. Maybe that means his velocity will go up in the spring, but it was hitting. And he was at 94, sorry, 92.3 was the average that is sitting, and he sat 92 last year. So not really a big velocity jump. Maybe it's a velocity jump relative to when it is in the spring. So we're going to be monitoring monitoring this thing with Joe Ryan. He did throw a sweeper, and Savant now is calling it a sweeper, not a slider, which is throwing me off. Um, but yeah, he still has command and stuff to figure out with it. So we're not like, oh my god, Joe Ryan has an amazing pitch now, and he's great. It's Joe Ryan still as of right now. Cork Schmidt has a new cutter. Didn't have great command of it, but it looked good. I kind of dug it. And if he keeps performing at this level... He might beat Domingo Herman to be the number five for the Yankees. I've always said that Clark Schmidt's sinker isn't enough as a fastball, and if he really throws the cutter, which he did more than the sinker, hmm, maybe that plus the breaking balls that he has, which are very good, turns him into an actual fantasy viable pitcher with those sinkers coming in inside to right-handers. I might like that. Um, Davey Garcia also for the Yankees. Remember him? He was 92.5, if I remember correctly. And I wasn't too impressed when he did get his opportunity back in the day. However, he was 95 in this one. And that's a huge deal. I'm curious if that does mean he can be that through a full start. Sure, it could be just the the limited pitches. It was 33 pitches. And it could be that he's, quote-unquote, a reliever. But David Garcia at 95 sitting there is way different than the David Garcia we saw about two, three years ago. And I would love to see that. It was, I think it was up there and then it fell down and now it's back up to 95. I'm not ignoring that. The Yankees do not have much depth after Domingo Herman and Clark Schmidt. Theoretically, it is Davey Garcia the next one after that. So that's number seven. And when you have, say, Carlos Rodon with some injury history, uh, you have Severino with injury history, it's, mm, there might be some opportunity there for Clark Schmidt to get some innings. Um, also, Nestor Cortez there too. You have uh, Clark Schmidt and David Garcia, sorry. Uh, Josiah Gray was throwing a cutter yesterday. I thought at first that maybe that was a slider. He didn't really throw the slider. No, this is harder. This is like 90 miles per hour instead of like the 85, 86 of the slider. He threw 96 miles per hour on the on two four-seamers he threw. Not 94.5, but it was just two of them. And the slide, sinker was a little bit down into like 94. So kind of interesting there. I do like the fact that Josiah Gray is recognizing that maybe his four-seamer isn't good and if he can just get by with a cutter instead in that curveball that actually might be his path to success so I kind of dig that he's experimenting with it but Josiah Gray still has to you know perform really well for some significant amount of time before we trust this Max Scherzer pitched it was a little bit down as velocity on secondaries but that's fine uh, Michaelis uh, Miles Michaelis got banged up it doesn't really matter it's a spring so did Johnny Cueto Yuri Perez came in after I watched it, it was a terrible camera angle He's popping 99 on fastballs, and they threw a lot of changeups. It's kind of like the Sandy Alcantara 92-mile-per-hour changeup. I mean, oh boy. I'm so in when Yuri Perez starts. 
I mean, he's a, he's he's golden, guys. Even with a bad camera angle, I could just tell. Yeah, he's he's really really good. Uh, Sean Manaya apparently is at like 94, 95 miles per hour. If you're wondering, is that does that matter? Yeah, 92 is what we were hoping for from Sean Manaya. 94, 95. He worked at Driveline. That is a huge deal. I do wonder though. Everyone says, "Oh, he pitches for the Giants too." That's a really good thing. Well, Alex Cobb and Alex Wood didn't do well pitching for the Giants last year. Is that necessarily a good thing? The defense is not good and Brandon Crawford's not great at, at short as he used to be. I don't know. So I, I'm more encouraged about Shamanaya than I was in the preseason. Absolutely. He was outside the top 100. He's right outside of it. But now he's jumping up into like the 70s or something like that uh, because of this velocity. I mean, this is not something to ignore whatsoever. But yeah, I don't know if it really is the game changing thing for Manaya because honestly, the secondaries being more involved is at this point, a bigger deal. But still, throwing harder, always a good thing. Zach Plesak was absolutely trounced in his game. And uh, if he does continue to get trounced, it could open the door for uh, Tanner Bibby or uh, Cody Morris, Gavin Williams, one of these guys to get a rotation spot for the, uh, for, you know, for the Guardians. So keep monitoring that if Plesak is really just absolutely terrible. Otherwise, I mean, he's just going to have it. Um, John Gray, I saw a report on this. If you remember last year when we really liked John Gray, it was like a nine start stretch or so. He starts, he had a 96 mile per hour fastball and still had like a 9% swing strike rate in that time. He was sitting 92 and he topped out at 93. I'm not going to say anything ridiculous because it's the start of spring training, but that's like three to four ticks lower than we want. That's not a good sign. If it was like 94, I'd be like, all right, but 92 sitting in that, I mean, that's just from one tweet I read. I don't know. I I just want us to be aware of that one with John Gray. I've got two more left, and they're both lefties who went two innings and combined for nine strikeouts. One is Kyle Muller, 93 to 95. He was involved in that Oakland deal, one of the most interesting parts of that deal. Uh, Everyone talked about the Sean Murphy stuff and how the Brewers did well. Well, the Athletics got Kyle Muller, and who knows what that Oakland rotation is going to look like. If Muller, Muller performs at this level of two innings, zero runs, one walk, and four Ks, yeah, he's going to start for the for the Athletics. His velocity is 93-95 to 95. Apparently, in like 2020, he was sitting 100 for a bullpen. I don't know. He, he was just throwing as hard as he could, and he's dialed it back for that purpose. Whatever you want to say about that. But apparently he's retooled his slider and had a lot of good whiffs on it um, against right-handers, which I always like to hear and see. Um, that's kind of interesting. Monitor Kyle Muller. And then there's Reed Detmers. Speaking of sliders to right-handers, two innings, zero and runs, zero walks, five Ks. I watched this one. Guess what? Sliders to right-handers was the game plan. He was not trying to backdoor them, not trying to settle too much with curveballs. It was fastballs up and sliders down and into right-handers. He got whiffs on it. He got strikeouts on it. He threw the curveball too. That was beautiful. Yeah, I know. I was, I was so in and seduced by by Reed Detmers this time last year, but man, he did it. He's doing it again, and I'm in. I, guys, I'm believing in Reed Detmers as one of my targets for drafts this year. You can get him after you get your SP four and five. Have him as your SP six and just start him through the year. Reed Detmers is my guy. Today, 
Monday's games that we're going to talk about tomorrow. If you get a chance to watch them on your know, this is what you're able to see. You have Luis Severino. Hopefully, he's sitting 96. You have Pablo Lopez. Look out for the changeup in fastball command. I'm sure we really won't see much. And Aaron Nola starting. That's good. Anything surprising there? Forrest Whitley's going. I hope that he's interesting. There is an open spot, technically. It's not just automatically Hunter Browns. He's got to earn it. It could be Forrest Whitley. Um, Jesus Lazardo is going, so hopefully he's at 96 plus on the fastball. Still has a good changeup and curveball. Jameson Tyone, I hope his breaking balls really excel. I don't question his fastball commands, but it's always been the missing pieces. Having a really good slider or curveball, maybe just increased curveball usage. Uh, Shane Bieber was down to 90-91 last year, right? I want him to be at 93. I want to see something that's not 88 on the gun. I want to see him actually growing that velocity instead of staying down low. I want to take a look at Drew Rosinski. Is he more than a Toby? I don't know. Hunter Green, is his fastball command up? That's what matters most. If he's staying up already, like the entire spring, his just fastballs are just peppered up. That is an absolute green light for the season. Brandon Fott is going for that number five spot for Arizona. Does he do well? And Caleb Killian exists. Don't forget about him. I don't really think to expect much in greatness, but Caleb Killian could theoretically get the number five spot for the Cubs with Hendricks out for at least a month or two. But all right, that is it for today's edition of the Plus Pitch Podcast. Yes, you're going to get another one super early tomorrow around noon, something like that. And that's the routine moving forward. But that's it. So thank you all so much for listening. And as always, my name is Nick Pollock. And may your babbits be low and your strikeouts high.